If I could describe to get my life tour in one word, it would be vulnerability. Showing up for yourself is so important. Welcome to the Get My Life Tour. I'm your host, Lydia T. Blanca. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the Get My Life Tour. It is me, your host, Lydia T. Blanco. And as always, I am thrilled that you decided to show up for yourself, take center stage, and be on tour with me. Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe we are in season four. Season four, y'all. Who would have thunk it? I actually love saying that a lot, so bear with me. But who would have thought that we would get this far on the tour? Parts of me knew it, but other parts of me were like, mm-hmm. you know how you do that little song and dance when you begin to doubt yourself? Full moment of transparency. I am so grateful to be here. And I'm excited because on this stop of the tour, I have none other. Get ready for it. Get ready. I'm telling you. Damali Peterman, she is an incredible woman. You've probably heard about her through the grapevine or have just read about how incredible of a lawyer, of a mediator she is with over 20 years of experience with her own firm and agency, Breakthrough. I'm going to like get the official name in a second to you all because I don't want to, you know, get it wrong. But I'm so excited that she's here because we're going to talk about conflict resolution. We're going to talk about all of the exciting things that she gets to create as a part of her calling and her journey. But before I get into all of that, because, you know, of course, I want to read you her formal bio, but I want her to tell you who she is in her own words. Help me in welcoming to Molly Peterman to the Get My Life Tour. Hi, Lydia. I'm so excited to be here trying to get my life on your show today. Um, you know, it's, it's just, I just love listening to you. I can just listen to you speak forever. So, you know, I was listening to you and I was like, God, I just, I just love listening to Lydia. And then I was like, oh, I, I need to speak now. So I guess I'll myself. Um, who is Damali Peterman? Um, that's a great question. I, I think for me, um, what I always want to lead with is that I am uh, a woman, a mom, a sister, a wife, a friend, um, a confidant. Um, I am the type of person who will show up for you. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And one thing about me is I never do anything that I don't want to do. So when you see me, you know that I am there for you. Uh, And I'm that person who you can call at 2 in the morning with an issue. At and five o'clock in the afternoon, at nine o'clock at night, um, who will listen? And then before I say anything, I always ask, "Who do you want me to be right now? Which hat do you want me to wear? Do you want me to be, you know, depends on the relationship? Do you want me to be Damali, the lawyer, right now? Damali, the mediator? Do you want to just vent and do you want me to listen? 
Um, do you want me to be on your side or do you want an objective, you know, response? So I always ask because I don't know, I don't always know, especially for someone who I have a relationship with um, other than a working relationship. I don't always know how they want me to show up in that moment. And I've been doing this job long enough to know that I should ask and then I could put that hat on <laughs> and then I can wear that hat and wear it well. So traditionally, when people join us on tour, they wait to the end of the episode to drop the mic. But since you are just dropping the mic, I mean, do we even need to continue? You you can't have me lost for words throughout the entire stop on this tour, Damali. You can't do that. But if you insist... You are so self-aware. Where does that come from? I know that you are a lawyer. You are the founder and CEO of Breakthrough ADR LLC. I told you it was a long title, y'all. I wanted to make sure I got it right. And you have been doing this work, the conflict resolution, the mediation. You're, you have the Esquire, right? at the end of your name. You've been doing this for over 20 years, but where does that level of self-awareness come from? I have to, you know, know how to show up. Like that's so profound to me. I think when you're the oldest of seven children, <laughs> you have to be self or become self-aware at a very, a very young and a very early age. I grew up in Washington, D.C. I have six younger siblings. I am also, and I also have a very big family. So on both sides, parents, both of my parents come from big families. And I think one of the things that I learned early in my life was advocacy. And oftentimes people think that advocacy is like, you know, you fighting for someone and being their advocate. The best way you could be someone's advocate is to know what they need and what they need from you. And sometimes people can't articulate that, right? Like, you know, if everyone knew what they wanted all the time, then the world wouldn't have any conflict, right? Because they would be able to articulate what it is and we wouldn't have phrases like, it's the principle. When people say it's the principle, you know, they, they can't put their finger on what it is. Um, <laughs> and usually I love hearing that. I'm like, let's break, let's unpack that a little bit. And I can tell you what the principle is for you. Can you talk to my dad then? Because he is so big on the principle, right? Like, come, come, come talk to my father, please, Damali. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. You, you know, part of it is, I think my mother always telling me, that you could do anything you wanted to do. You could be anyone you want to be. You could become mm -hmm. anything. And so it was amazing because I never thought there were restrictions or limits on what I could do. And I try to repeat that to my kids today. And anyone that I meet, if I see there's a barrier, I feel a barrier. Um, and, and it's funny because I'll say things like, well, nothing is permanent, right? Like, mm -hmm. why not try this? Or how about thinking of it this way for a second? And it'll be those aha, or what I call breakthrough moments, which is why I named my company that long name, Breakthrough, and, and ADR stands for Alternative Dispute Resolution. So different ways to resolve conflict. That's really all it means. Um, 
And so those breakthrough moments are what I live for, Lydia, is helping people to kind of get their breakthrough or have those, you know, um, epiphanies where they can say, ah, you know, I don't know how I got here, but now I know where I'm going. Here we go. Another one of those moments. And I am so, I'm so in awe right, of the work that you do. Because so many of us know nothing about conflict resolution. We think we have a good idea of what it takes to be a good mediator in most instances. And typically, like, we're stirring the pot or we're, we're practicing things on people for the first time where we've read however many self-help books or watched some YouTube videos, listened to a podcast, and now all of a sudden we're Damali Peterman. And that's not the case, right? You said that you are, you shared that you're the, the, the eldest of seven. Now, I assume that you have been mediating since, you know, the second one came along and the third and the fourth, right? How did the work um, that you are, how does the work that you're doing now reflect your earlier years, and did you always, I'm going to ask you a twofer, right? Did you always feel called to conflict resolution? Absolutely, Lydia. I always tell people that informally my mediation training began when I was, you know, three years old. My first sibling was born, right? <laughs> so you, you, you knew exactly when that started. And then my formal training probably was developed a little bit later. Um, that being said, I did feel a calling. My mom is a natural mediator. My grandmother, my mom's mom, also a natural mediator, always a person that people would call to literally get in the middle to try to help resolve situations. And frankly, I, I often think that black women in general, right, are often the ones being called to get in the middle and to help advance things, whether right. you get the credit for it or not, we're usually the, the first call that people make. And so my, my formal training happened a little later when I went to, when I studied for my master's degree at Middlebury Institute of International Studies. And that's when I focus on sort of international policy studies um, and conflict resolution. And then I studied in The Hague, which is, you know, internationally known as sort of the center of peace theory, right? Um, so I had that opportunity before then going, you know, to work a bit and then going to law school and the, the rest, as they say, is history. But I, I've always had a calling it's one of those things where I feel like I could see the matrix, like when there's a problem and if 99 people are focused on the problem, I see the solution or possible solutions. And that wasn't enough for me because if there's only one, I'm only one person. So the reason that breakthrough exists is because I wanted to teach people how to see solutions. I wanted to empower people uh, to see different ways that they can either resolve their conflicts or help others resolve their conflicts because it's kind of that, you know, that um, parable, you can teach a man to fish, you know, or, you know, which is better than just giving him a fish because if you give him a fish, he has fish for the day. But if you teach him how to fish, he can fish and eat for the rest of his life. And so that's sort of where I spend a lot of my focus the last, you know, at least the last four or five years is how to, instead of being the solution as the attorney, um, how to empower people to, to reach their own solutions. 
You know, that is so rich. And so naturally, my follow-up question is, how can we become more solution-oriented in our everyday lives, be it personally and professionally? I love that question. This can, I want people to visualize a toolbox, right? And so there's a toolbox, and in that toolbox, if you think of any tool that you have in your house or that you've seen somewhere, there are different types of tools for different projects, right? Hammer, screwdriver, a wrench, a saw. Uh, you don't use a saw if you're going to put a painting up on the wall, right? You want to use a hammer and a nails, perhaps, right? And so the point there is that to answer your question, to become more solution-oriented, is figuring out what tools are appropriate for the situation or circumstance that you're navigating. And something that is universally, a universal tool, kind of think of it as the Swiss army knife of conflict resolution, is active listening. And active listening, I just modeled when you asked me the question, instead of just jumping into the answer, I repeated back what you said, which gave me a moment to think think about how I wanted to respond. And so active listening is something that everyone can practice and a very quick two-step way to think about it. I'm just going to start dropping some jewels right here. And right now is just that, repeating back what you hear and then responding. Um, another way to do it is repeating back what you hear. And if you do that and you aren't sure how to answer the question, to ask a question. And so I could have also said, that's a great question. Um, you want to know how we can become more solution-oriented. Do you mean in our personal life? Do you mean at work? I could, I could ask you for more clarity on the question. Where we see a lot of conflict arise um, is when people are just responding or mirror neurons in our brains are having us just sort of imitate what we see. Think about how quickly conflict escalates on TV when you're watching, when you're watching what happens. And so... The point here is just taking a moment to slow things down and engage in active listening so that you can have a better understanding of what's happening in the moment. You know, when you shared that, I wanted to practice active listening, right? And being on tour really teaches me how to become a better active listener, right? I can't be so quick um, to just shoot off, right? So I take these moments of pause and I'm like, mm, mm. sometimes I just sound like I'm sitting on the first aisle um, in church, right? I'm like, oh, the first pew, I'm like, mm, mm. But what comes to mind for me is, you know, the quote about peace that surpasses understanding. And I'm like, wow, I believe that's like a reward or one of the benefits of actively listening. And then I'm reminded of mediation, right? And just resolve that peace that surpasses understanding. Sometimes we don't have to respond. And I think sometimes people think mediation just may be us going back and forth and the person standing in the middle. And I'm thinking about all of the scenarios that I have experienced, be it as a participant or as someone who was watching from the sideline. I'm like, wow. 
which really leads me to my next thought. And you mentioned this, and I actually had this written down because I really want to know your thoughts on Black women naturally being mediators, but us also in a very unnatural way, often being in the center of conflict, not because it was warranted, but because of who we are sometimes and how we show up in that not being well received. So I, I want to kind of, kind of illustrate it this way. I think there's a difference between a mediator and a problem solver. And I think that Black women, we like to solve problems. And don't get me wrong, we create our fair share of problems too, right? I put myself in that (laughs) category too. Um, And we like to solve problems. When you are a mediator, you are also uh, solution-oriented. I like that, that, that term that you use. But you don't have to solve the problem. So that's the distinction. You are there to help the people at your table, the parties that you're working with, solve their problem. You're, help, you're there to help them reach a resolution, but there you want them, think of it as when you're a mediator, you're like a conductor, right? You're not playing the music. The orchestra is playing the music, right? Problem solving, the issue with, with problem solving, and people are always like, oh, Damali, people don't want you to, people want, when they call me, they want, they want me to fix their issue. They want me to fix their problem. And what you're telling me to do seems contradictory to that because, you know, if you want me to listen and do, I'm like, well, wait, wait, wait. Oftentimes when people want you to solve a problem, they don't always give you all the information first. Second, they may not be able to, they may not fully understand how the, the, the depth of the problem. They may not figure, they may not kind of appreciate how it's impacting all the people involved. They know their perspective and how it's affecting them, but they may not be able to articulate what's happening to the other people involved in the problem. And so oftentimes people are problem solving at a level that may be a band-aid for whatever's happening in that moment, but it may not be a permanent solution or even a semi-permanent solution. And so when you're mediating, you are hopefully figuring out not just the position someone is saying, I want this, but the interest, meaning why they want what they're saying they want. And that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to help them have interest-based conversations, interest-based negotiations where they're not focusing on the what, but the why. Because if you do that, then when you try it, when you're finally ready to, if you have to be the problem solver, right? But I'm a lawyer, I'm a problem solver. When I'm a mediator, I'm helping people to resolve their own problems. I'm empowering them and facilitating that conversation so that they can, you know, implement their ideal vision of whatever this conflict is. And people are always like, oh, well, Damali, you know, like if I knew what was going on, I would have been able to fix it. And I submit to you, you don't know all the things that are going on because <laughs> part of it is you're, you're stuck in your position. But this person has to do this for me because of X. I need this from you because of Y. The, all these are positions that people are saying. And you've heard these things too, Lydia. I want to raise. Okay, that's your position. Now let's figure out why you want to raise. 
Do you need a raise because you want to buy a new house? You need to pay caregiving responsibilities. You want, do you want to pay for school for your kids? Like, what is it? Because now if we could figure that out, we could be more creative in the compensation package that we're trying to negotiate for to help you get what it is that you need, not what you say that you want. You see? So, so wow. I think oftentimes people are stuck in that position. And when we're talking about black women and problem solving, we are superheroes, right? We do wear the cape. And part of what it is, is we want to solve problems. And there's so many things arising that we only have a sort of a short attention amount of a short amount of time and attention to devote to all the things that are popping up all the time that need our attention. Um, But if we slow things down a bit, and if we think about how to empower people to solve their own problems, when my boys fight, I don't always come in there and try to resolve it for them. I try to focus on giving them the tools that they need so that I know that when I'm not there to intervene, they mm. know what to do. And I'm not talking about physical fight. I'm just saying like when there's a disagreement, right. I want I want them to be able to problem solve without me intervening so that when they're at the schoolyard or at the playground or at the train station or throughout their lives as they develop into adults, I want them to hear me you know, saying these these types of things that we're talking about so that they have the tools. Remember that toolbox right. in their toolbox that they know when to pull from it to use it. So that was a very long answer to the question about black women being problem solvers and mediators. But I thought it was important to show the distinction yeah. because if we can shift more into being mediators, we would have less on our mm. shoulders from trying to mm. solve everyone's problems. Another gem within a gem within a gem. I feel like I see this big diamond or ruby and there are just other smaller ones in there like those, I think the Russian toys or something. I'm like, whoa, I'm so glad that your response was what it was because I got so much. It also reminds me of the conversation we had prior to this conversation about mediation, conflict resolution, siblings, just family, right, and wealth. And so here you are as a mother, as a wife, as a woman who takes up space, doing the work that you do, sharing, you know, an intimate detail about your life. When your sons, you know, are going back and forth, you want to prepare them. I don't think enough of us are having this conversation. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I really consider it a blessing because we we know we're all too familiar with the stories of issues that just don't work out in anyone's favor, right? And wealth is coming to mind because, you know, we're beginning to have more of a conversation about money as a community. But one of the things that is all too familiar is when things I'll say when series of events take place and money is involved and we need mediators, right? You're talking about passing down mediation and conflict resolution almost as, is this fair to say, like a soft skill, right? You know, and as a tool to empower your children to be able to make sound decisions later in their life. Can we talk about that, Tamale? Can we talk about it for those who know, who have been there, who have seen it and can relate 
but also want to move forward and be able to really be able to mediate and not problem solve? Absolutely. Sometimes parents have to intervene um, because, you know, you know more, you see more. I also oftentimes can see a pattern, right, Um, where people may not see it. I can see a pattern of behavior. I can also see, um, like, what was happening a lot was as I was working through matters as an attorney and a mediator, I would hear so many situations where the problem could have been de-escalated before it rose to the level of needing someone like me to intervene. And had those people had these skills, these t- these tools in their toolbox, then they would have been able to um, de-escalate the conflict or if they knew someone like me, right, who had these types of skills. Uh, so when we're talking about these it's funny. It's funny because you you said, "Is it a soft skill?" And I, I nodded. Yes, it's a soft skill. I usually like to refer to them as being essential skills because these are skills that you need. I teach a lot all over the world in both work environments and also you know universities, things of that nature. And every technique and tool that I'm teaching has applicability and portability in various parts of your life, right? So whether it's at home, whether it's in any interpersonal relationship, whether it's in work environment, knowing how to effectively communicate and actively listen, knowing how to de-escalate and walk away, or knowing you know how to provide constructive feedback or engage in a difficult conversation, these are things that you're, you will need and that will arise throughout your life, where regardless of where you go and who you communicate with. And when it comes to children in particular, they're watching, they're listening. Um, you know, there is always that, you know, do as I say, not as I do, you know, line. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it has to be that way. You know, sometimes you can't, you know, drop all this stuff on a child when they you know, aren't ready for the, the true the true realities of the world. Um, at the same time, there are a lot of opportunities uh, to help them navigate conflict where they can start to, you know, their brains are putting together so many different things and they can start to see, oh, you know, when this happened, what happened? Kind of that cause and effect that they, they learn in science. Like, how does that work or how does that translate in conflict? And let's think about different tools to give our children so that they know when to walk away. They take back the power of some words that typically have been used to to make people feel bad. And how do you kind of go back to another one of those great, I love sayings. I don't always get them right, Lydia, but I love <laughs> Same. One, one of the things <laughs> I love is, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. And I repeat that on a regular basis, you know, to my kids. Um, And I also pair that with the golden rule, treat others the way that you want to be treated. Because I'm like, if someone says this, you know, first of all, there are certain things people just might say, and you have to be like, okay, that word doesn't mean anything to me. What else you got, right? And then there are other words that people might say because they don't know, they don't have, they don't know how to express themselves, right? People don't always say what they mean, surprise. And people don't always mean what they say. 
And right. sometimes people do mean what they say. So you have to figure <laughs> out <laughs> in a few seconds or so what, what, what is happening, evaluate it, and then determine how you want to show up in that moment. Mm. That part, determining how you want to show up. Sometimes we show up, we're in the heat of the moment, and we show out. That's like, okay, what happened? Are you out of character? Or is this really who you are, right? But, you know, sometimes things just go there. And I can't say it enough, but I'm so grateful to be having this conversation with a woman of your caliber because, a lot of what you're saying is not on the internet, right? It's one thing to like read something, skim over some things, but to hear, to see, you know, what is being said and then to have such a beautiful woman, right? Saying and sharing, it's like, okay, this is possible. Women like you exist and care about creating positive outcomes through healthy discourse. Healthy discourse. Now I said sometimes we show up and we show out and healthy discourse is not always the first option. Now we're already speaking about mediation. Do you have any tips on healthy discourse or how to begin conversations or even pivot conversations when we might be uncomfortable, but really need to address the elephant in the room? Absolutely. I think one, there, there are a few things you can do. You have to always ask yourself, is, it, if, is this the right time and place? There, there are a few questions you should ask yourself, right? There's, there's never a one size fits all approach to anything. And typically my first answer when someone asks me a question like that is, well, it depends, right? It depends on the situation. And so the first question you have to ask yourself when you uh, think you're engaging in healthy discourse and you may need to pivot or you may have to figure out, you know, what to do next is, is this the right time and the right place? Right? Is this the right medium? Should we be on, in video, on video? Should we be on the phone? Should we be, um, you know, on social media having this conversation? So the, the first question, right time, right place, right medium. The next sort of question is what, if you can put your finger on the principle, what is it that's bothering you? Is it the person or is it a problem? Most people, when they're in conflict, they conflate those two things. You have to separate the person from the problem. Do you have a problem? Is there, is there an issue with what the person is saying because how that impacts you? Or is it the person and how they're saying it to you, something about them that's triggering or causing you to have that reaction? If it's the person, then there's a different route. It's like one of those, um, you know, those charts and you have to choose yes or no. And then depending <laughs> on the answer, then it takes you somewhere else. You got to choose yes. yes or no. It's like that. It's like that. I'm sure that has a name more than like one of those charts, but yes, like, like a path logic. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It's like that. So, you know, you have to ask yourself some questions. The benefit of asking yourself these questions and this sort of path logic that we're talking about is that it helps you to slow things down. Again, if you look at anything on the news where they're showing you a conflict that's escalated, 
It's 30 seconds, 40 seconds, 8 minutes and 46 seconds. It's moments in time that will change people's lives forever. And it's usually such a, I mean, just think about it. Minutes, seconds that, that change people's lives. And so we have to slow things down. When your brain, when your brain is in conflict, we kind of go back to that fight, flight, or freeze mode. Our ability to use our executive function is suspended, which means we cannot make calm, cool decisions. And you see it happening every day. You see, you see people fighting, fleeing, or freezing. You see it. You, you can turn on any show and you'll see right. the plot. You can see it on Netflix. You can see it, you know, whatever you watch, whatever you stream, <laughs> any show, you see someone's reaction to conflict. When you slow things down, you give your brain a chance to re-engage your executive function and think about how you want to show up in the moment. Remember, you can't control anyone else, but what you can control is what's coming from you. And so, Conflict is, to me, I, I just find it to be so beautiful. And that sounds like a strange thing to say about conflict, but I'll explain, Lydia. I often ask people, you know, what word comes to mind when they hear the word conflict? And it's always, nine times out of ten, a negative word. Problem, fight, trouble, drama, disagreement, issues, you know, yelling. Almost never is it, you know, a positive word. And to me, conflict is an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity to understand what's going on. It's an opportunity to learn something. It's an opportunity to maybe change a relationship or, or change a situation. But to me, it, you have to first take it out of that negative space and see it as an opportunity in order to fully, you know, break it down and understand what's going on and where you go from there. See conflicts as opportunities. Damali, I have to ask, okay, because I need to know, I think we all want to know, what is slowing down as you do this work look like for you? Where do you go? Is it inward? I'm confident you have incredible mentors in advocates and probably even coaches, right? Um, and people who you can confide in, but where does the Molly go, right? In time of retreating and maybe when conflict arises for you? I have some go-tos. Um, one, I usually like to have something on me. Like right now, I'm not wearing a necklace or any jewelry, but usually I have something on me that I can touch, I'm a tactile person, that I can touch that will ground me again, right? Don't, people are like, oh, you must never get mad. Are you kidding me? I get mad all the time. <laughs> Things make me angry all the time. You know, especially when I see injustice, especially when I feel like things aren't fair. When I was a kid, my mom will tell you, even my dad, that's not fair was the first thing that I would say. And now that I'm a lawyer, I'm like, that's unreasonable. What you're suggesting is unreasonable. But usually I have a grounding tool. So something that's on my person that I can touch and be like, okay, I'm back back here. Let's, you know, what's happening? Let's, be, let's evaluate it. Two, I like to meditate. Um, I 
can't do it often. I don't have time to do it often, but I do see it as like exercise for your brain. So I try to meditate at least once a week. Um, and that's helpful. Three, I talk to my mom. Um, you know, she has, she always sees things in a different way. And she's the person who can usually help me to see things that I don't see. Um, and then, you know, I pray, I pray, I, I want, you know, I want to, to receive the things that are intended for me. I want to get help helping others to receive what they're supposed to receive. Um, and I want to, you know, I'm always like, you know, keep my mind open, like allow me to see things and, you know, so that, so those are probably the top four places where I sort of seek out, um, my inner peace and ways to slow things down uh, when there's a heated moment for me. I love knowing that oftentimes, you know, we assume people have like these really cushy responses to these questions. They're like, oh, you know, I go to Bali for three months and I unplug. I'm like, no, I, I love that you are human, right? And that you have a support system and that you can look inwardly, but you can also lean on people. Sometimes women who are running the show don't have those, I'll say, systems in place. And so it's so refreshing to hear, you know, you share what gets you through. You know, I typically ask guests, Somewhere towards the beginning or middle of the stop on the tour, what has been a get my life moment for you? And you shared so much. And I know I have to let you go soon. So I'll ask you this way. How did you get to where you are? You shared so much, but I'm really curious about your how through story and what that looked like for you. Because you're here I'll call you beautiful one more time. You are so accomplished and some would even say balanced, right? But people are like, balance, what is that? But how how did you get to here? There's so many ways to answer that question. I think that what I will focus on is sort of, What's interesting is I think oftentimes entrepreneurs, they have a vision, they have an idea, and then they bring it to market and they really want to focus on delivering whatever that service or product is and being the best at doing that. And when I started my first company, that was my goal. But what I learned to do was to listen to what the market needed from me. And to give an example... My first company was, um, I wanted it to be focused on on ADR, alternative dispute resolution. Um, But I opened it as as Damali Law, so it was like the law. I was focusing on the law. And the title and Breakthrough, what I do at Breakthrough now as its own company, was a program under Damali Law. But I thought that was going to be the premier program, right? That that was going to be like the creme de la creme when everyone's going to come. And that's the subject of that. But I started this company in New York. Most people in New York knew me as a corporate lawyer and everyone came to me to help them with negotiations and contracts and legal things. 
when I was like, hey, AD, don't you have a problem? Can I be your, your medium? Can I help you with ADR? Like, that's what I was hoping everyone would come for. And But I had to listen to what the market was asking me for and what the demand was. And I had to be patient and wait for the opportunity, for timing and opportunity to align so that there would be a place for breakthrough. And so that was two years. That was two years of people really focusing on, you know, Damali the lawyer, Damali the negotiator. And I was patient because I was like, well, it's past conflict. And people are going to see that we provide, you know, training to companies all over the world and organizations that we teach people how to listen, negotiate and resolve conflict. And they're going to, at some point, it'll be time for, it was like, like a, Destiny's Child, and then it was a time for Beyonce to, like, <laughs> yes. go on her solo career. It's like that. And finally that happened in 2019 where I could, you know, make breakthrough, you know, the star of its own show and have its own, you know, sort of um, spotlight because it was time, you know. So mm. to me, how did I get here? Part of it is a, a lot of patience. Um, and listening, listening to what the needs are. So not just saying, hey, I make cakes and you should try my cake because it's delicious, but what do you need? You don't need cake right now. You need this. And do I, can I provide that? And if I can provide it and I will give it to you, but if I can't, I may know three or four other people who can. Let me connect you with them. That's the other thing that I did was use my network to help other people. Um, I always see competition as being something that's healthy and important in, you know, a capitalistic society, but also it's good. It makes you want to be better, right? If right. You're in a race and someone's running, they're catching up on you. You, you want that pushes you, <laughs> but then can you, then you have the team, you know, the team perspective, which is, can we, can we do this together? How can we lift each other and promote each other? So I always saw that, you know, I always thought that the way that I got here and kind of like what, what brought me to this point was helping others, working with others. You mentioned coaches and mentors and sponsors. Uh, people were doing those things for me. I was making sure I was doing those things for other people so that we're all sort of rising together. So beautiful. I cannot wait to extract the clip and I'm gonna paraphrase when you said you had to wait for opportunity and time to align to experience breakthrough. Damali, like that is an entire word. I think some of us are so familiar with opportunity meets preparation or whatever I'm horrible at saying myself, right? But the way you said that, I feel like it created um, a form of breakthrough for me in real time, just hearing you say that, right? Knowing that that cadence, that, that frequency exists and you got to experience that, that excites me. I hope that it excites those who are tuned in because 
we have to have those subtle reminders to be patient and to wait, right? And have, you know, an understanding that divine timing is what it is for a reason. And breakthrough isn't often comfortable or sexy, right? And some of us say we want it and then we experience it and it's like, what is that? Hold on a second, right? Or we don't get there because we're not willing to wait. Uh, okay. What what don't you do? What can't you do, Damali? Oh, that list is very long. <laughs> we don't even have time for how long that list is. Um, but what's funny, ever since I was a child, my parents can tell you that I never did what I did anything I didn't want to do, and it, you can see how that could come across as being stubborn when you, especially, and I'm getting that right now from my kids. So I'm like, okay, that's how I was as a child, so I get it. You want your kids to have strong will so that they can, you know, use that as an adult to help navigate situations and, you know, use their best judgment. And so uh, there are a lot of things that I don't do, um, but some some of the things that I don't do that I want to do um, are, you know, I just want to take more time to work with uh, figuring out conflict resolution approaches for children. So that's one of the things that I see as, you know, the, the if we instill these skills earlier, right, and especially in an educational system, then kids will continue to learn how to navigate things as they grow so that when they're adult, an adult, they're not just like, oh, you know, hey, you know, <laughs> I'm just learning about this today. Um, so I really want to find different ways to provide this information to our Young minds, our future leaders. That's something that I I really want to do. I love that. And, you know, I'm going to make a very subliminal mention of this before we wrap, because I didn't want to, you know, get people too excited if that is inappropriate for the time being. But there is a very exciting way that you are really bringing others into the fold of mediation and conflict resolution. You see me trying to be very careful here. Um, In an engaging, fun, thoughtful, into my knowledge, an unusual but necessary way. Do you see what I'm hinting at, Damali? You don't, oh my goodness. You know, sometimes we have to send people things in the mail when we wanna say something, but we don't know how to say it. And you're gonna help people say what they mean in the form of mail or mailings. Oh, so one of sometimes I am timing an opportunity in line where things that were dreams deferred of mine um, come true. And one of those dreams deferred is that um, hopefully very soon 
you'll see a line of greeting cards under one of the top greeting card companies in the world um, that kind of feature uh, breakthrough, break, breakthroughs, I should say, breakthroughs um, um, in short and long verse. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, hopefully people still like cards as much as I do and receiving them and giving them. Yes. And what makes my line different is that it is full of jewels that I've accumulated over the years um, because sometimes milestones happen in the midst of other things going on. And how do you still recognize those moments, but also say the things in the card that you can't say or you won't say, but you need to, to say. And so that's sort of what's happening right now. Um, I have um, about 32 different prototypes here, um, templates here of different cards oh, and categories um, on occasion. And I hope that, you know, everyone will be as excited about this project as I am. I am over the moon. And I was like, Lydia, don't you go spreading Damali's business and putting them out on these Give My Life Tour streets without the green light. But I really am excited. It's so hard to find the words at times and to know that you are going to help us get our lives in that way. I want every card. I may have to just buy two, you know, packs, right? Because I just want them to have them as conversation starters and things that I can lean on. And of course, I want to be able to send them out. That to me is so brilliant. And I am a huge fan of greeting cards. Like if I can find a good card with a beautiful illustration of us, I am here for it. I'm like, oh, you really need $20 for this one card? Well, I guess so. I'm going to support Black business, right? But uh, the way the opportunity came about from what you shared for me, that is another story from another time that I want to share. And so I'm just going to put it out there, right? And so you can like shake your head yes, or maybe so, or no. Either way it happened, like either way it goes, I'm gonna be persistent. So I'm like, hey, hello, we gotta tell this story. Where are we telling the story next? And so I'm super excited. You know how many of us don't have the language and you are going to be sharing prompts. I think that the work that you're doing is also going to just create healing spaces as well because we'll be able to look inwardly and sit with what you've created. Who better to do that than you? Ah, yes. Come on, God. Yes. That was amazing. I'm really sad that we're at the end of this stop on the tour. Like, I wish I could do something about it, but it's okay because I'm going to live in the moment. And so with that being said, it is officially time for you to drop the mic when you are ready. So I gave some thought to this question, like what is the drop the mic moment? And I think my answer is a lot different than what it would have been, you know, 18 months ago, right? If you would have said, Damali, what's your drop the mic moment? You know, 18 months ago, it probably would have been something like, you know, um, well, and that wouldn't have been that different because I, I always say, like, have no regrets, right? Like, I, you know, don't regret not 
you know, taking an opportunity to do something that you, you know, if you have that moment, you only get live once, right? And I've had some moments recently where I had a minute or five minutes to make an impression that would help um, me and help other people. And I was like, you got to do it. You got to do it. And so now my drop the mic moment is the last 18 months or so has have really shown everyone how precious life is, um, how unpredictable things can be, and how you really do have to live each moment to the fullest and try to remember what's important, so prioritize, and let go of what's not important. And I think to drop the mic in a way that ties into what I'm about with respect to conflict resolution is if there are things that you can let go, let them go. If there are things that you, that you need to work through, think about how you can work them through in a way that under which is under your control, meaning not dependent on someone else. And I don't mean... You know, don't get a, I don't mean like, you know, you don't get a mediator or a third party to help you, what I mean, or a therapist or whatever you need. I just mean, if you're waiting for someone to apologize who hasn't apologized in, you know, 92 years, then maybe there's another way that you need to think about how to get closure or to resolve that situation so you can move forward and free up that mental, you know, real estate. Um, So the point is just, it's so important when you're thinking about moving forward to ask yourself, what is my ideal vision, my ideal solution of this situation? Whatever it is, right? It doesn't have to be a conflict. Whatever it is, if it's your education, where you're at school, if it's where you work, if it's a relationship you're evaluating, ask yourself, what is my ideal vision, image, you know, resolution of whatever it is? Write it down. Revisit it if you need to in a week, two weeks, 90 days, what have you. And ask yourself the same question. And if you ask yourself that question, then ask yourself, what are three things I can do towards obtaining or achieving this vision? And so that's my drop the mic moment. Remember that life is precious. Remember that, you know, things are unpredictable. Remember to control what you can control. And ask yourself if you could control, if you could control an outcome, what would that outcome be? And how do you work backwards to make it happen, which is really a plan for working, moving forward. And there you have it. I am... So full from this conversation. There are some things that I'm going to do today and tomorrow differently because of my time with you. For that, I am so grateful. So thank you. You're welcome. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you again. I just love listening to you speak. And it's always so, it's like so moving. You know, it's like talking to a prophet in the sense. Oh, my so. I love talking to you. Thank you. I received that. You know, I can only imagine how many people want to flood your inbox or just follow you 
right? And be inspired by your journey. Maybe inquire with you about your service, your services, excuse me, and really figure out how they can stay in the know about this line of greeting cards that, you know, are on the way. So please let us know how we can follow, how we can stay connected um, as you do the work that you do. Thank you, Lydia. What's funny is for many years, I was always like, oh, you know, the people will hear me and they'll just, just, you know, think about if they, if they ever have a conflict, hope I come up. But then I realized I had to be more intentional to your point about saying, contact me, follow me, bring me into your office to, to teach conflict resolution, how to have a difficult conversation, how to navigate certain issues that keep arising, how to create frictionless environments. I had to actually say, hire me. <laughs> now just listen to me on cool podcasts, hire me. And so to, to get in touch with me, very simple, um, at Breakthrough, A is ADR, A is an Apple, D is in David, R is in Robot. Um, and, you know, I'm, that's, I'm at Breakthrough ADR, or, or, I'm at, sorry, I'm at Breakthrough ADR, that's what I get for saying robot, I start to talk like a robot. Um, I'm at Breakthrough ADR on all social media. Uh, I am active on LinkedIn as well. If, if you can find me, Damali Peterman on LinkedIn. And if you ever want to email me, the best way to email me is at info at breakthroughadr.com. How lovely to receive an invitation to connect, right? Especially with someone who is doing such incredible work. So take advantage of the opportunity while it is available to you, right? I remember hearing someone say, don't allow the invitation to expire. And I was like, ooh, that's a good one. So I offer that to you as well. Do not allow the invitation to expire. As always, visit the getmylifetour.com. Listen, download, subscribe, review the Get My Life Tour, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter using the pop-up window on the GetMyLifeTower.com. I kept Rihanna there because I thought she was fun. You know, it was like backstage, right? So join us backstage. <laughs> you can also stay connected with the Get My Life Tour on all social platforms at the Get My Life Tour. And if you like to follow my work journalistically or as I talk about lifestyle and business and culture, be sure to connect with me at Lydia T. Blanco on Instagram and on Facebook at by Lydia T. Blanco. Y'all. What more can you ask for after this conversation? Some would say a lot, but for the sake of this conversation, nothing. You don't need anything else. Get your life. I got mine. I hope you did too. Damali, you are phenomenal. You are divine. And I am so glad that you are walking this earth and sharing your gifts the way you are. I couldn't think of any other way this conversation should go. So I am, I'm full. As always, I cannot wait to see you on the next stop of the Get My Life Tour. Until then, it has been real peace. Mm-hmm.